It's no secret the NFL has a problem with race. Think Colin Kaepernick. Think Brian Flores. But this isn't a new problem. It's one that started as far back as the 1930s, with a ban on Black players in the NFL, with a past that informs the present. Blackballed is a new miniseries podcast from The Ringer about the four men who broke the color barrier in football. I'm your host, Chelsea Stark-Jones. Blackballed is dropping soon on The Ringer NFL feed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain. Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat up old running shoes. Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery. Well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store. Like now, go. On today's episode of One Shining Podcast, I got two words for you. Ding dong. Down goes Duke in the second round. This is a great day for, uh, you know, everybody out there that believes in blue blood magic. We did our best. We put our jinx powers to the test. And they did come through, so shout out to that. We're going to talk about that, myself and Kyle Mann. This is the first day of round two. This is One Shining Podcast. So many storylines. Kansas, the reigning champs go down. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about San Diego State. They look like a team that could be threatening, potentially, to Alabama. Yeah, the one one seed that does not look susceptible. we got a lot of storylines. we got a lot of breakdowns. We had a great game between Arkansas and Kansas. We're going to get into all the NBA prospects in that game. This is One Shining Podcast. This is a late night edition after all the games. Round two. Let's get into it. Kyle, you got anything before we get into this? It's day three and I'm so fucking tired. But first, Woody Durham. All right, here we are, Saturday night, round two. We are in the studio live in Los Angeles in the Spotify building right now. No one else is in this building other than myself, Kyle Mann sitting across from me, producer Kyle on the boards. The three of us have watched a whole lot of basketball with each other. And look, this is the first time that the gauntlet has happened for Kyle in a few years. He, he's been off the OSP beat. Kyle Mann, I know you do this on your own time, but you're out in L.A. We're expected to sit around and watch all these games. How you holding up? Before we get into the basketball, how you doing with these long days? Are you all right? I'm doing okay. I'm okay, kind of, I'm, I'm somebody that I don't get a lot of sleep as is. So, so, you know, that's kind of the way I function. Had I was that way before I had a kid. And I just, so in that way, I've kind of transitioned nicely into that. But I just want to say, sh- shout out Spotify. You know, this would be like a great setting for a horror movie because we're very vulnerable to be killed. I feel like we're the only, <laughs> yes. we're the only people here. Someone could easily right. sneak around and just pick us off. But I just want to say like. Scream 7. Yeah. Scream, let's get this party started kind of you know like i 
shout out to Spotify's uh, cold brew tap. Right. Uh, it's. I think we've justified its existence during this whole. No one endeavor. uses any of the resources here. It feels like, and you, myself, and Kyle have used all of them. The cold brew coffee that they have on draft. They have water still and sparkling on draft. They have drinks. Fruit loops. Yeah, they're ready. Oh man, they have everything that you could possibly imagine. I feel like I'm in the movie The Intern, and I'm at Google's headquarters, but. You know, no one else is here around me. And we're just having a field day. I'm glad that we're all zany and a little wacky and a little tired. But we've also had some great basketball happening in front of us. And uh, I think that's what I want to start with, which is a, a term that we talked about at the end of last show, which is, quote unquote, blue blood magic. And blue blood magic happened today, folks, because the Duke Blue Devils, who were on a path to the 2023 National Championship, are officially off that path. Thank you to the basketball gods. Thank you to everyone at home that did good good things, had good favor, good karma, good energy, because Rick Barnes defined all the odds. And for the first time in a long time, Rick Barnes has an over 500 record in the NCAA tournament, folks. Amazing. He's yes, redeemed. Start cheering. He is redeemed. We thought it was slick Rick Patino, but it's really slick Rick Barnes. And here we go. He's 27 and 26 now in the tournament. This is the first time uh, since 07-08 Texas when, you know, he went to the Elite Eight that he's in the Sweet, six, sweet 16. Um, look, I'm fired up. You know, Rick Barnes is a guy that we love, and he's near and dear on the show. But to go up against Duke, this was an old Big East game, by the way. What did you see, Kyle, man? I mean, this was uh, Duke was supposed to come in and dominate and get a big win, but not on this day because Tennessee, they got down and dirty, and they got physical. And uh, Kyle described it as a football game. That's what he thought it was. It was. It was a football game, a rugby, ma- rugby, a rugby match. It was uh, short-circuited for a second there. I got so, you know, Tate, Tate, actually, you guys can't see it, but he has, uh, he has cuts on his palms. Clearly, he was doing some kind of blood sacrifice. I told you guys he was spotted. Uh, he was spotted earlier reading a book of the occult. And he's been, <laughs> you know, the pronunciation, the enunciation here is blue, blood magic like you know the emphasis there that it is dark forces that's what we're dealing with Tate you know at one point his eyes flipped and we just saw the whites of his eyes he's really been tapping into dark forces and it paid off today but this was uh, did you want to weigh in on your experience with the occult at all I I just want to point out that this is a program record low points for Duke in the NCAA tournament 52 (laughs) points (laughs) a lot of people weren't expecting that Uh, myself included John Shire First year on the job has, you know, he's gotten passing with flying colors at this point. A lot of people saying he's doing a better job than Hubert Davis did in his first year. But people forget this, Kyle. Last year, Hubert Davis went to the national championship game. He also went to the final four and beat Coach K on that stage. John Shire goes home and loses to Rick Barnes. So that's a storyline in and of itself there. That's always fun. Um, Is Coach K's legacy sh- safe, though? That's, that's what I, we, should, we should talk about. Mr. K, a.k.a. the artist formerly known as Coach K, he is back on the Mount Rushmore. He is back, back on up. top. He is he's actually what Duke needed in this game. They needed someone to get in there with the refs and, and make things happen for him. Rick Barnes started his career, weirdly enough. He was four and one against Duke uh, when he was at Clemson. He, he he was great against Duke. That was a conversation early on in his career. He's got Duke's number. And then he went on to lose, I believe, nine straight games to Duke uh, over his career. So this was a nice all-around redemption game for Rick Barnes. And then after the game, he pointed out and said, what, what are the haters going to say now? 
you know? And that as someone that believes in the message of the haters, I love that Rick Barnes had one today. And as someone that was a hater on the Bill Simmons podcast, I was happy to be wrong. Yeah. Very happy. Well, you know, in the words of Bill Paxton in the, the excellent film Edge of Tomorrow, battle is the great redeemer. It mm. is. And today it was a battle. It was super, super physical. And an interesting thing, you're going to hear a little belly ache and you're going to hear a little complaining about like the free throw margin, the, you know, considering how physical this game. Plopsic is a guy, Euros Plopsic is a guy for Tennessee who came out of the gate, like setting a tone. Filipowski flopped a couple times and you were just thinking, okay, Plopsic, you tried to set the tone and you just sat yourself on the bench immediately. He's a guy who can't help himself. He's got a notorious reputation within the SEC as a guy who just gets in there and mix it. it there's a goonish quality to it, Tate, although he does do some other things. He settled Filipowski had a cut under his eye, very <laughs> Montross-esque from back in the day. So, I mean, that was a moment where you almost had some sympathy for Duke at that point. You're like, I, do, do I feel bad? That's how much, like you said, the, the fact that he was a, being a brute or you're like, am I on the side of Filipowski for once in my life? Yeah, Maybe. it was it was like it was like chill. And I had a moment where I was like, did Shire prepare them for this? Because like Filipowski didn't even hesitate. The moment he felt that he <laughs> sold the contact, of course second, he did. Second worst cut we saw today. There was there was a cut during the Maryland game. I forget the player who had it, but he was gushing blood. Either way, it was a prize fight today, and the prize was moving on, and Duke didn't do it. But the free throw margin here. Uh, Tennessee, not as many free throws as you would have thought. They really let him play. They set the tone early. Uh, 10, uh, 13, 10 of 13 for Tennessee and 4 of 7. So Duke didn't really get to the line. They got out-rebounded um, throughout this game. But it, it was a super physical ball game, and they actually got an out-of-body experience from a particular player today. Yeah, Olivier Kamwa, who had 27 points in this game. He had 23 in the second half, and this is not the first time he's played well against a good team. So he played... Um, Texas back in January. Texas was number 10 in the country at the time. This is the SEC Big 12 Challenge we all remember. And he had 27 points in that game. So he ties his career high. And I think the fascinating wrinkle, if you're if you're a Duke fan at home, you're probably listening and you're saying, oh, this Carolina guy, he's running around. He's having, you know, a field day with this. But I will point out the facts for you guys. Mark Mitchell did not play in this game. Mark Mitchell has True. started every game for Duke this season. When Duke was healthy this year, they were 19-1. and one. So let's just point that out. Duke, fully healthy, they're 19-1. and one. And guess who Mark Mitchell would have been covering in this game? Olivier Kamwa, who goes for 27 points. Mm -hmm. So if you are a Duke fan, if you are someone that, you know, is believing and projecting, you know, what Duke looks like in the future, I think you can say at least there's some sort of reprieve, right, for this game. You can, you can point to, we weren't healthy. Everyone wants an excuse in basketball. They want to be like, this is the reason why we lost. Duke had a reason in this game because Mark Mitchell, in theory, would probably, you know, have maybe helped in some ways on Olivier. But at the end of the day, Jonas Idu was from Durham, North Carolina. He probably wanted his revenge against Duke, you know, a Durham kid. I, I feel like it was all in the air. And, uh, you know, Rick Barnes, he needed this. This is Rick Barnes. This was kind of a legacy game for Rick Barnes a little bit, especially going up against a rookie head coach. Yes, he's at a legacy brand. He's at a blue blood. But Rick Barnes has built a great culture at Tennessee. He's got, yes. I mean, great international players like we're talking about. Conway. I mean, he is a finisher. He's a finished guy. Um, I mean, there are. Yeah. Do we want to? Kyle like that. Not we, Lowry Markman. Did, did Rick back. Barnes shout finish finish them at finish some them. point? Finish yeah. them. That's yes, two I Mortal Kombat so. references in a row for me on, on a show. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to make sure that we, we worked that in. But yeah. There you go. Rick Barnes has created a great culture. He's got great characters. And uh, again, we love characters. And also, these are great basketball players and guys that were not afraid to get physical with Duke. And they ended up just dominating this game, winning 65-52. And like I said, very old Big East vibes, a lot of scratches, a lot of bruises. 
maybe some lessons learned for Duke as they move forward. But overall, this was a nice um, confirmation of sorts where a lot of people watched, myself included, Tennessee earlier in the year and said, I don't know, this team looks different. They look like they could actually make a run. And when Ziegler went down, we all changed our tune because we thought, okay, well, their starting point guard and the guy that kind of stirs the drink for this team is not going to be there. But like you mentioned, Vescovy is a guy that stands up, initiates offense. And then when you have guys like Olivier step up and have 23 points in the second half, hey, now we got a recipe for success. Might be our day. Yeah, they're playing a little bit differently than they did with like the Kennedy Chandler group. Like that three-headed attack was a lot more like spread it out, pick and roll. We can kill you with our downhill quickness and things like this. This team's a little different. They've been playing a little different lately. They've been inverting it. Duke was really pick and roll heavy in this game and just kind of to like sort of just middling efficiency, uh, 0.875 in their pick and roll looks this year and and, in in this game. But then when you look at the way Tennessee did it, they were inverted. They were doing a a lot more off-screen offense and cutting back, cutting Duke and getting to the rim. But they just had guys make big shots. And you were talking about Viscovi. He's one of, like, these guys come along, I feel like, every once in a while where you, you're just like, if you're playing against Viscovi, you're like, damn it. Like, you just start gritting your teeth. You're like, like I hate this How guy. is he so yeah. effective? It's like, he has, pesky. That, he has that Pepe Sanchez slow-mo, like, like lefty point guard. You're like, he, he freezes people in their tracks and gets to the rim. It feels like he makes big shots. I was telling you, I think if I'm, like, making my all-time, like, hate him, want him on my team you know like you say I, you know you say i hate him loud but then if if pressured under your breath you're like i'd love to have him viscovi's on there for me i don't know if i can make a full five just off the top of my head but like luke hancock was another one i was just like this guy you God. know who my number one is yeah. grievous vasquez oh grievous man. vasquez on ball. maryland uh i watched that man beat tyler hansborough in the dean dome he pointed at all us in the crowd and said you you take this and and all <laughs> all other types of things and boy did i hate him in that moment but boy did i I respect him. So Vasquez, Draymond Green, I feel like is one of those guys that's classic in that sense. But yeah, that's always a fun wrinkle. I mean, even Jordan Walsh, Kyle's man uh, on Arkansas, I could see a little bit of that today. If you're a Kansas fan, you might hate Jordan Walsh. But if you're an Arkansas fan, you're like, that's our guy, and I ride with him forever. Oh, yeah, we got a lot to say about Walsh in a minute. I was <laughs> the last one for me is like Joe Kim Noah. He was the all, he was <laughs> right, the all time. Right. He 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 tormented us for all, for three years, and like yeah, there was a point where like Ramel Bradley was talking trash to Joe Kim Noah, and Joe Kim Noah like in in the press was like, I love Ramel Bradley, but he's my little brother, and and I it was the, it was an example of this. I was just like, God, I hate Joe Kim Noah, and then I was like. He's right though. I take him on my team. That's kind of that's kind of the deal here. But yeah, uh, Duke does not move on. Your 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 reverse jinx, your mojo magic, your blue blood magic. It worked out today. You're paying you're playing a dangerous game, but that you you won this one. Yeah, one cleanup duty. Uh, Rick Barnes did make the second weekend once uh, in his last ten tries. I, I said that it was the first time since uh, the Texas days. I wanted to clean that up. Shout out to Rick Barnes. I'm so happy this happened. He seemed fired up after the game and. That's what we want. We want our characters to be happy. I'm over the Dean Smith thing. There's a lot of Carolina fans that were, you know, today was the day they finally let Rick Barnes get over that little scuffle he had with Dean Smith back in the day in the ACC tournament. So we're all moving on. We're all getting better. We're all feeling better. Now I feel like we can all watch basketball a little bit more comfortably knowing (laughs) that John Shire is not going to win the national championship. And speaking of susceptible teams, Let's talk about the susceptibles, which uh, we deem susceptibles, right? We we deemed them the one seeds this year, and uh, another one seed went down today, which is a bit of a shocker. And the other part of it is not so shocking because the defending national champions have not made it out of the first weekend since 2016. 
Hey, you heard that right. And uh, we remember last year, Baylor played North Carolina in the second round. They lose that game. Incredible game. Yeah, 2017, Villanova coming off the Chris Jenkins shot. They play Wisconsin. It was a, a weird match of styles, and Wisconsin steals one, Nigel Hayes. I mean, there's been some great games with the defending champs going up in that 8-9 matchup. And here we are again, Arkansas, Kansas, a lot of perimeter depth, a lot of talent, a lot of NBA talent. If you're an NBA guy, this was the best game of the day. This one had the attention of the NBA. I, th- I feel like there was a lot. And we ID'd this one. Sometimes you ID things on the match, on the horizon. Maybe they're in the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight. There, You know, you need a few more things to go right. This one just needed a couple things to go right. And we were, we were eyeballing it. We were like, that... That looks amazing. We were mm-hmm. like, I, I figure Arkansas, we thought Arkansas might blow with Illinois, get with as erratic as they've been, but they come in and we get this matchup. And I just think these collection of wings, if you think about McCullard, you know, Jalen Wilson, Grady Dick, even Dewan Harris, and you think about it, it's Arkansas, you got Council, you got Nick Smith, Anthony Black, and then uh, Jordan Walsh, and then Devo Davis. Just Davis was big in this game, these, especially spot up shooting. These were both of these teams had glut, like a glut of perimeter guys, just like wing guys that could kind of handle the ball. And we were excited about this matchup. And it was awesome, man. It was an awesome, awesome game. Uh, we were riveted. Uh, Tate, we had a little bit of like a culture whiplash moment where we were watching this game and looking around and being like, I don't know. It's kind of a thing like whenever you go to like a, maybe a hockey town and you look around and you're like, why are all these these people are just so into hockey? Yeah. But you're in Saskatchewan. Yeah. yeah. That was not our experience today, I, you know. Yeah, this was a, the first story was Blue Blood Magic. This is Blue Blood Tragic because we're watching a Blue Blood team in Kansas and we're in a bar at LA Live. Granted, across the street, the Clippers are playing the Magic, playing. Never would have known. Never, never would have known. No, but number one, <laughs> former number one pick, Paolo Bencaro, is playing across the street. We're in this bar. And the game is happening. Again, the susceptibles, there's a one seed. They're the reigning national champs. They're playing Arkansas. There's all this NBA talent. And there's also, in case you didn't know, folks, and you probably don't because you listen to a college basketball podcast, there was a big MMA fight. And I don't even know how these MMA fights work or how many fights are included in it, but the entire bar, standing room, People they reacting. They were riveted. Right. They were, it was like electric in there, but we weren't a part of it. It was like they were. We're reacting to the basketball and people were looking at us like, tone it, sit down, tone it down. Like, what are, you, what are you guys watching over Hicks. there? Cricket? Yeah. Yeah. What are, what are you, what a bunch of idiots. And then meanwhile, you see a guy in a headlock and people are like, get it down, get it down, get it down. They were, they were living and dying with every like <laughs> micro movement. Someone, right. someone at one point handed me like a straw hat and they started playing the banjo. They were like, here's your overalls, you fucking hick. That, and I was like, hey, man. That didn't happen. I made that up. But I felt I, I just felt like we were we were on our own. We were out of place. We, we were, I, I was yeah. just like it, it, it's a contextual thing. You know, it's it's a but it's a game that we love. We, we the lore and this stuff is is lost on the people who don't experience it on a day. The good basis. news is that when Duke and Tennessee were playing, there were people that were watching the MMA fight. They were getting confused. They were they were getting they were catching the, the battle, the physical battle between these two teams. And it was kind of drawing <laughs> them in a little bit. But again, as soon as Kansas got on the screen against Arkansas, it was you and I, the only people locked in in the bar. But the susceptible one seed, Kansas, we have to point out, and I think, I for whatever reason, I feel like it's under the radar and it hasn't been talked about a lot. And I mentioned this to you, Lawrence, Kansas, and the coverage around that team is so local and it's so protected within each other that we don't get much news that we aren't supposed to know. But Bill Self doesn't coach in this game. Yeah. And I'm not saying that, you know, Bill Self would have been the difference in this game, but maybe I am because this is a one-point game. And I think you said it. Just I now. think I just said it. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to point fingers, but I. I hate not having Bill Self on the sideline because I think if Bill Self is there, there's a chance we get back to back champs with this Kansas team. 
they were up in this game pretty much throughout until a big decision kind of happened from the Arkansas side. I mean, it was almost like an NBA playoff game where these matchups kind of dictated what happened. And, and I want you to kind of go into that, Kyle, because we're, we're in the second half and all of a sudden Eric Musselman says, let's get the top five pick out of the game. Yeah, it was an odd, it was an odd thing. You know, they've been trying to get Nick Smith going all year. I think that that whole kind of prospect discussion is going to be interesting to figure out how teams value him. It was odd. But in this game, yeah, it was a matchups kind of chess game that, that Muss over the course of the game started to kind of realize what he needed to do. Uh, and I feel like I don't have like the efficiency stat in front of me, but I also want to just shout out that what happened in this game? I want to shout out Charks because I love to do this. I love to I love to ID like patterns and narratives that I think he would have picked up on. There was a matchup chess game in this that I think Charks would have ID'd quickly when I was kind of reviewing the flow of the game. You're right. I mean, like Kansas led for like seriously like 93% of this game. And slow there was a big change that happened. Thanks to Kevin McCullough also. Kevin McCullough was maybe at times the best player on the court for Kansas. He was he was he was uh Kevin McKiller, I would say today. Uh, <laughs> hey, thank you. First Switch. the finisher, now that. My Ladies God. and gentlemen. Uh yeah, so <laughs> so no, it's it's 16:38 in the second half. Must subbed in Jordan Walsh. Now Nick Smith played like 16 minutes in this game. He didn't score. He was 0 for 4. He had one assist. He was on the court at the end of the game, but it was just kind of to be out there. He wasn't a focal point in what they were trying to do today. I felt like he took a step back three and it was like, Nick, we can't sustain your like trying to get it going. Today. We can't waste possessions work. today. Yeah, yes. they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. So Wilson was Jalen uh, Wilson was kind of having a great game. So Walsh checks into the game and basically Wilson for the rest of the game was just desperately trying to get away from Jordan Walsh. And if you don't know anything about Walsh, this is a guy who was like a top 25 recruit. Um, he has a seven foot three wingspan. He is like a prototypical like defensive stopper at the next level. I don't know if today today is going to be an incredible piece of tape for him because uh, he moved he moved his feet well. And if Jalen Wilson got a step on him. You know, Wilson kept doing this thing where he was like exposing the ball and Walsh would just bat it away. Like he stripped it off. Great of ball skills. Yeah, yeah. He, he had a couple awesome rips uh, on him. And then, uh, yeah, it, and then at 15-12 uh, to go in the second half, uh, Musk puts Anthony Black back in. So we had this lineup of Anthony Black, uh, uh, Devo Davis, Jordan Walsh, Mitchell, and then Ricky Council, the fourth, who we love is one of Kyle's men. Um, <laughs> I believe he's one of your men. Council's one of your guys? One of your men? He was. I think we suggested that he could be he because was, of I the name. I forgot him and... and- <laughs> Jordan Walsh is your guy. Jordan Walsh is your guy. He forgot him, but give Kyle credit. So so I just want to, yeah, but that that lineup was like defensively really cohesive. And they just took, you know, the combination of Walsh on Wilson and then Anthony Black deserves a ton of credit. They weren't switching those things. So Dick wasn't getting loose and Walsh wasn't getting loose. Or yeah, and Wilson wasn't getting loose. But Culler still had an incredible game. So it kind of came down to like a... You know, it was really kind but of difficult shot making. Like yeah, some yeah, of the moves yeah. and stuff that he made, I felt like he helped his NBA case after, you know, what they saw today on tape. I love McCullough. I think he's a fantastic player. He found out at the very end of the game, but like, yeah, it really, it was black. It was a defensive thing. They were refusing to be screened and it kind of came down to like Devo Davis and council and then McCullough, like they were doing a lot of the scoring um, and Arkansas just like slowly erased that deficit and then finally took the lead. It looks like they briefly took the lead at like the, the eight eight and a half minute mark and then took it again Kansas swapped back and then they took it again with like 39 seconds to go one of the critical plays of the game that I think might get overlooked is Ricky Council goes to the line shoots uh, it was a one and one or a two shot but on the second he makes the first one second one he misses it Walsh with that wingspan man there's some of these guys I love these types of guys and, and they like 
they give that like like Lou Dort is like this. They give that like extra four percent effort that some guys would be like, it's probably not worth it. That play's not going to be there. Walsh is one of those dudes. He deflects the ball. It hits Jalen Wilson. Ricochets off of him. Council gets it back and gets fouled again. Hits two free throws. So with that one play, Kansas goes from okay, we're he missed the first one. We're going to get the ball back. We have a chance here. And it comes down, you know, you live or die in those inches like we were talking about. Any given Sunday, it, it deflects and gets back to council. Suddenly, it's a three-point game, and Kansas is out. And, you know, you, you think about that chess game. You think about whether or not Bill Self had been there. I don't know. You know, we always talk about, like, calm, Bill Self always has that kind of wry grin on his face. He's like, you guys got to be kidding me. Yeah. You guys got to be kidding me. <laughs> That's Bill Self in the moment. As soon, Incredible as impression. Jordan Walsh hits the three. <laughs> to go up 52 to 51 top of the key. That was the moment to me where it was like, obviously they take the lead, but yeah, also yeah. he had just passed up an open three prior and then took a bad shot at the end of the shot clock. And then he comes down D's up again. You can tell Jalen Wilson was getting in his head a little bit about Jordan Walsh, almost where it became a little bit of a, I'm going to have to show this guy and go one-on-one with him, which took him out of the flow of the game a little bit, which is kudos to Jordan Walsh. He makes that three, and then, like you said, Ricky Council down the stretch, he has seven points in the final two minutes. Again, going to the free throw line, but it was just another example of how deep this Arkansas team is, right? They have a top five lottery guy sitting on the bench, and you feel content. And They've lost two potential lottery picks. Brazil's over there, too. Yeah. Javon Brazil, who's a transfer from Missouri. Ricky Council's a transfer from Wichita State. Kevin McCuller is a transfer from Texas Tech. So that was the other fascinating wrinkle in this game, too, for me, where Musbus is obviously known. He kind of was the at Nevada, the first guy to say, I'm going to use the transfer portal. I'm going to build teams. I'm going to make runs in March because I got the right talent, the right mix, which is why it kind of felt like an NBA game because they have enough talent to play matchups. You know, mm -hmm. they, they have enough guys to say, I want to play him and do this and try to expose this and yada, yada, yada. And the fact that Mus was able to make that kind of move like we talked about with benching of Nick Smith. I'm not sure. How many coaches would have the, A, the exactly. option to do that, B, the cojones to do that? He had the well, option Bill to do Well, Bill Self it. would. That's what yeah, I mean. So true. would Bill Self do something like, hey, let's throw out, I mean. Well, they've also got MJ Rice over there not right. even playing. Right, yeah. a five-star right yeah. there from Henderson, North Carolina. They could have thrown him into the game. Um, <laughs> I would have loved that. But yeah, th this is uh, one of those games where it was like Jordan Walsh versus Jalen Wilson became such a... It was so captivating, but also at the end of the day, Arkansas made winning plays. Like you said, Jordan Walsh makes that that extra effort play. That's a winning play. And Kansas, for whatever reason, the ball just didn't bounce their way. And it felt like they had the lead. They were going to win. It felt a little inevitable, but it was more susceptible. They were another one seed that goes down. We all react. We all go crazy. And by we, I mean must bust. Must bust rips the shirt off. I mean, we're going to the Sweet 16. <laughs> Never uh, tell me a time that's going to happen in the NBA. Come on. I, I, I just, uh, what, what, what other, you got you to gotta love March Madness. I, I can right. see that maybe happening in like, like after a soccer match or just something. I just think like college has a unique, inter now Mus, this is his to, third straight Sweet 16, by the way. Yeah. Could be, be third straight Elite Eight if they make it. To be fair, you know, I don't, I can't really remember another coach ripping their, their shirt off like that. But, you know, I, I just think it's an interesting thing that we went into this thinking, Perimeter guys, you'd think, oh, three-point shooting, maybe whoever gets hot in this one. Both teams, you know, Kansas, Kansas five for 13 from three. Arkansas, five, a three for 15 from, from three. Um, 
didn't end up being that way. It was like getting to the line. Uh, Kamani Johnson actually had a really big play on a play where I, I think McCuller might have fouled out on that play and then stuck it back. They just got, but it, you know, that's also interesting. McCuller fouled out and Walsh fouled out kind of like right back to back late in the game because there was a little bit in your mind where it felt like overtime was inevitable. You know, that's yeah. felt like that's where we were heading, which would have been even more interesting because those matchups. <laughs> Would have been different, dramatically different, just because of the foul trouble that both teams were in. Yeah, I would have felt better if I was Kansas to get into overtime because, you know, I, I think it, the way it played out, I think, it, it, you know, Arkansas just snuck it in there at the end. And I think that that was, uh, that was the, the best way for it to go. You know, Council was amazing. Devo Davis was amazing today. He had, you know, 25 points. Um, you know, eight rebounds. He was nine, nine for 15 from the field. But uh, yeah, it was, it was a heck of a performance from Arkansas. We thought they had the potential to do this and they did, man. It was uh, an all time, you know, eight, nine to one seed game. It was, it was really, really entertaining. We were riveted. Yeah. yeah riveting stuff. And I love Maui invitational teams. You know, this Kyle, you know, this <laughs> producer Kyle. So anytime a Maui team makes it to the sweet 16, I have to give them a nice tip of the cap. So shout out to Arkansas shocking the world a little bit, but the talent that they have, It doesn't surprise many people. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. At Best Western, we can't promise you the perfect weekend hiking trip or the perfect sunset. We cannot promise you'll make a new friend on the trail. It's certainly possible. We just can't guarantee it. And you probably shouldn't force it. But we can promise you this. With over 4,200 hotels worldwide, you can find a warm welcome and a comfortable room right on the way to where you're going. Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so that game ended. We're going to keep it on the same uh, same theme as the Susceptibles. That game ends, and around the same time, Auburn, uh, a nine seed from the SEC, is playing number one Houston, and they are up 10 points at the half, and we were staring down the barrel of the first time ever where three one seeds did not make it to the second weekend in the NCAA tournament. That's what it looked like. That was the forecast at the time. Houston's in trouble. Houston, we have a problem. Auburn's going to do this. The SEC is making major noise. And then all of a sudden, Houston comes back, bounces back, dominates that second half. They end up having 12 blocks as a team. Um, A lot of them, I mean, I felt like eight of them of the 12 were in the second half. And Houston looks like they kind of woke up a little bit, right, in this game. And uh, they end up winning by a fair amount. But again, down 10 at the half. Looked like things were real trouble in paradise for the one seeds. But all of a sudden, Houston's back. Yeah, your narrative is intact, Tate. I know you Thank really goodness. you love that 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 uh, Jim Nance narrative. That I know you're really you're really uh, 
really invested in. But I was well, we need say- Jim Nance invested. You know what I yeah. mean? Like this is one of those times where if this is going to be Jim Nance's last hurrah, let's make it good. Let's make it worth his time. And he needs his alma mater there. That's all I got to say. Yeah, the last dance with with Nance needs to be. Oh. It needs to be special. And I, they need to be. You know, they need to be marketing that. And you know, and, uh, yeah, I just it's important. I, I think a big storyline here is the fact that Sasser. Sasser and Shed were, were just kind of taking turns running back and forth to the bike. It was pretty inter- interesting to watch. Um, they got a big game in a Sasser, and that's the thing that we were thinking about a lot. He goes five for nine from three, seven for 14 from the field for 22 points. He is the engine that makes them go to assist. You know, he leans scoring a little bit, but I just thought that, like, you know, if they were functioning, that Auburn was going to struggle to beat this team just because I think Houston was in a really good position to kind of cut the head off the snake for Auburn to, like, shut their water off. And, you know, Auburn was chippy, and they had a moment there. The style that they play, they can put up points, but they also are super erratic, and they can just, if the field starts to tilt towards them, they can kind of stop pedaling as hard. We've seen that throughout the season that, like, uh, I, I don't want to use the Q word. I don't want to use the Q-U-I-T word or spell it out. But uh, they, they their effort seems to dip whenever things start to go south for them. I've noticed that was like the classic parent thing right there. You spell out a word to make sure your kids don't hear it. We don't we don't want Auburn to hear what we're talking about. But yeah, there, there's times when it felt like uh, it would go bad, and Auburn was like, "Okay, our job is done here." I one of the <laughs> moments that kind of showed that, or you know, got it into my mind was uh, Bruce Pearl completely just, I mean, yelling at full throttle. Please, Jalen Williams, take a charge. And, uh, you know, as I was seeing that in the moment, it was so funny to me because the co- I, I the beckon co- the right. cosmic asymmetry of it. Right. Right. Yeah. The, the different connotations of saying that, like if you told Jalen Williams from Arkansas to take a charge, I mean, he probably leads the NBA in charges. I know he, he led does. college last year in charges. So like that is a, he's like, what do you mean? Of course I am going to do that. But then someone with the exact same namesake, uh, Bruce Pearl yelling at him. I saw the irony. It made me laugh. One other note um, in this game that I wanted to point out for our NBA friends at home is that there was a world in which we got a matchup where Houston, number one Houston, is playing Scoot Henderson and the Auburn Tigers. Now that would have been something. Yeah, there's a whole conversation about like what the marketing kind of impact for Scoot because it's been a little quiet this year. People are starting to poke holes on him. In, right. In, 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 in on night, maybe not the best pass. That's what yeah. some people are saying. Maybe college is the marketability. Yeah, I just think that like it's a, it's an experience worth having. I think if you have the option that like you know I visited the G League arena and I was kind of looking around. I was like, this is pretty cool. They got like G League themed cocktails that are like you know Riptide Rush Purple, uh, and it's kind of a shout out to that Gatorade flavor that's delicious. I don't even know if they still make that anymore. Oh, no, that's great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Tate. That sounded sincere. No, it is. <laughs> it is. We love Riptide Rush. Please bring it back. <laughs> no, I just, I was looking around and I was like, this is fun. But I was like, are people, I was like, are the fans going to really get behind this the way that like Auburn would on a Saturday matchup against Alabama or Kentucky or, you know, Tennessee or whatever it is? But imagining Scoot leading a team in March. Uh, it is something that is very compelling to think about. Yeah, I just think, I think I, it would have been amazing. We, I, I think that hopefully, in my mind, if I am someone that is, you know, has that kind of caliber of kid, I'm thinking to myself, if Scoot was in March Madness and he made a run, there's a world in which just the way how these things work, because he's so the proximity and the fact that we have our own American bias when it comes to basketball, there's a world in which people start saying, well, Scoot's too, but. I don't know. Maybe you know. Maybe if he fits your franchise, maybe you think about him one. Now I know that's insane. I know women Yama's on his whole other level, but with March Madness, you go a little crazy and you, you start saying crazy things. Called madness. You right. said it, Tate, just now. Yeah, right. we go a little crazy, but I don't think I. I think March creates and manufactures these moments where players 
have the opportunity to elevate themselves. We saw John Morant did it a couple years ago against Triple double in the tournament. And yep. then he showed up against FSU, couldn't quite get it done because of the athletes. We see CJ, guys kind of validate themselves in these circumstances. CJ McCollum goes off on Duke, and we're like, oh, okay, that guy seems like a dude. He elevated himself. Stephen Curry. I mean, oh, that's the oh, yeah. easy example. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. And I just think, you know, if we'd seen Scoot, I don't, I know we're just kind of wishing in one hand and crapping in the other here, but we're like, it's like, I wish we could have seen it maybe for the next guy that comes along. That's, I, I just think, That's what I'm saying. For the next guy, for the next Scoot yeah. Henderson, not to say there's going to be another Scoot tomorrow, but for that next guy, maybe you you entertain it because look what's happening with Brandon Miller. I mean, Brandon Miller, now you got KOC and other draft Knicks that are putting him up at number two just because of he's right in front of us. And boy, does he look pretty good, yeah. you know? Yeah, the, the level of competition in the stage, you know, you're just going to, you're not going to get the same level of atmosphere at like a G League game. Not that the G League, like the development side of it's a whole other conversation. It's a different quality of athlete and thing. You just love to see these guys in these environments. And uh, it would have been incredible to see Scoot facing off against Sasser and Shed. Mm, I love that. All right. So the final one seed is not so susceptible. They look pretty scary. Um, that is the Alabama Crimson Tide. They played Maryland. That was the last, that was the game that we just saw last before we got in the studio. Uh, this game started out kind of weird, sort sort of slow. One thing I took away from this game is that, look, we know Maryland's going to muck it up. They did in the first half. Bama, they played, you know, not their brand of basketball, but they had limited possessions and they still were up at halftime, even though they were playing ugly basketball, not Alabama basketball. There was even a moment where Juju Reese and Brandon Miller got kind of tangled up at the start of the game, right? It just felt like Maryland was there to set the tone. This is like a Big Ten physical game. This is what we're going to do. We're going to, you know, we're going to impress ourselves upon you. We're going to see what you guys do. And Alabama, you know, they, they kind of responded as they should in the second half. They come out. Mark Sears, um, you know, he was giving me major Jalen Brunson energy with some of these jump stops. Um, they just, they kind of <laughs> have it figured out a little bit with this Alabama team. And, uh, you know, Jim Nance brought up, this is this is one of my favorite Jim Nance stats that he keeps bringing up with Bama. They beat two number one teams this season. Of course, they beat Houston at Houston, um, which is, uh, I think, one of the best wins, if not the best win in college basketball. Yeah. And then they beat Carolina on a neutral side in four overtime. So, which those, doesn't mean anything, Tate, let's be right. honest. Right, but... Does it because they were number one in the country? People forget. Uh, but I like that stat that Jim Nance keeps bringing up because it does keep um, in the back of your mind. And I think that's the question that he's kind of asking is like, is there a team like the, we talked about the other one seeds that were susceptible? Obviously, Kansas is out of the tournament now, Purdue's out of the tournament now, but Alabama looks like th there's no chink in the armor so far, right? They, they have answered the bell, they have played different styles, and that's what good championship teams do. They can play different ways and still find out and figure out how to win games. Yeah, and what's interesting, we see this, we've seen this a few different times throughout the tournament, these teams that, ha there's another ups uh, upset that happened today, I guess, depending on how you want to look at it. But I mean, like these teams that have kind of tried to play inside out and outside in, Alabama can play either way. Oh, you know, a lot of times their bigs are like finishing, they're catching lobs and things. But when you have the creators that Alabama has, that's fine. You don't, and they have just, a, they have a dearth of like these these big guys. We talked about Clowney, we talked about Bediaco, you know, we talked about, uh, yeah, they they just they have a lot of them, and and I think they're the only team in the they're the only team in the tournament. We were talking about the the Godzilla, the monsters. They're the only team in the tournament that I feel can like overwhelm people with their talent, like with their ability to score. There was an inevitability about this game that just felt like nobody could stay. You can't stay in front of the ball, and then you've got these finishers, and then you've got this ace, this trump card, and Brandon Miller who is creating his own shot. He doesn't look. He doesn't look like he has quite the same burst, but he's also so patient. He's also so good at getting to his shot without getting downhill. He can shoot over guys. 
they looked functional and they took some punches from a Maryland team that we think is, you know, that we know is, is competent and physical Bama. I mean, what do you think about them despite all the kind of stuff, you know, around them? Are they, I mean, I, I, the favorite going forward here. I mean, other than Houston, do you, I mean, we might get a rematch. What do you, what are you thinking? I think if you look and if you watch Alabama, regardless of the Brandon Miller injury that we learned about late, you have to believe that this team is the best team in the tournament. And there's, you know, a conversation to be had. What team, as you forecast forward, what team actually matches up well with Alabama and what team could actually push them to the brink? What team could actually get into them? And I don't know, when we were watching them play against Maryland tonight, you look at their front court. I mean, it's giving you John Hammond Bucks vibes. I mean, this is... There's no easy buckets here. They're, they're, they're like, big, yeah. They are long, and they are deep, and they don't really have a drop-off when Betty Ako goes out and Pringle comes in, right? There's Pringle, not, that's the name I was trying to think of. Yeah, yeah there, there's not a lot of teams that can literally do that. I mean, UConn has that a little bit with Sonogo and Klingon, but it's tough to find bigs of that caliber that can come off the bench and not only contribute, but can actually win you a game. Like, Klingon can win you a game. Pringle, we saw in the first round, he was their best player, and he did it very, um, you know, I mean, economically with his minutes on the court. So, Alabama is scary, and I want to talk about a team that they're going to face in the next round because that's probably a good conversation to have, and that's, you know, San Diego State. Um, If you haven't been keeping up with the Aztecs, this is their third Sweet 16 since 2011. That's when Kawhi Leonard, as a sophomore, took them to their first Sweet 16 in program history. They were on their way to being a one seed in 2020 that we didn't have a tournament. So probably would have, you know, by all accounts, made a run. Maybe not this season with the susceptibles, but 2020, they could have made a run. Um, They got a nice nine man rotation, which I think is fascinating. Uh, Brian Dutcher, who got his first win uh, in the NCAA tournament in the first round. He does these kind of hockey subs. They're not platoon subs, but they're he puts like four guys in at once and he'll leave like Matt Bradley out on the court. So they're a fascinating team because they play defense. They have a very unselfish group. They're a Maui Invitational team, folks. So I, you know, I have my own bias extra for them. points. Yeah, yeah, extra points for that. They play the right way, and I don't know. I mean, you know, Dutcher said after the game, I saw in his post game, he said, "Until we see a team that can match up with us and and we can <laughs> say is better than us, like we're just going to keep handling business." And they're going to go up against what we said is the best team in the tournament in Alabama. And I think this matchup is fascinating. And look, no shade to Furman. Furman had a great tournament. They had their first win since 1974. They had a big shot against Virginia. I'm going to remember the Paladins for the first round win, not for this game. San Diego State just overwhelmed them, just dominated them with their athleticism. They ended up winning this one 75 to 52. But as this game was playing out, all I kept saying to myself, Kyle, was can this team match up with Alabama? And can they actually push Alabama? Because that nine-man rotation and just the way that they play together as a unit, maybe that is the type of team that can push them. Oh, yeah. They guard cohesively. That you, that you, They can play slowly. They can kind of drop. But the thing about Alabama that's deceptive is you think about Alabama up-tempo threes. They can play that way. If you want to play that way today, they only shot like 28% from three, but they can also slow it down. Sandy, I mean, yeah, we saw like, we saw the both ends of the spectrum from like Jalen Slauson from for, for Furman in this tournament. We saw him in that style against Virginia. His style makes fights. And in this game today, he just looked on his heels the whole game. They're really physical, athletic. That's going to be the interesting thing to watch. You know, defensive rating wise for uh, San Diego, they're 96.9 defensive rating, which is 94th percentile. 
uh, and their 71, 71st percentile, 104, 108.4 in offensive rating. Um, so they're a team that can score and they can guard the ball. I think it's going to be a great, and they they have a lot of confidence. You know, It's a team, I think, that's been overlooked a little bit in past years, I think. Maybe there's a little bit of like win me back over going on with this program, which you, you see sometimes. Purdue is going to be in that situation for a while now. Right, Virginia. Yeah, yeah, yep. Virginia went through that. Um, it's going to kind of come down to both of these teams are sort of like 34%-ish three-point shooting. Maybe one of them hits a couple more than they normally would. Um, I, but I, I do think the size thing is going to be a real issue for San Diego State. Me too. I, th- I think that front court for Alabama is going to cause problems for them. They look great in this game, but again, you're playing a, a little bit of an opponent that has uh, probably reached their limit as far as how far they could go in the tournament. So that'll be a fascinating game. And Dutcher, he seemed very confident in this group. I like that nine-man rotation. It doesn't really make sense from a traditional you know, way that you view the tournament. A lot of times, coaches get down to a seven-man rotation. So mm-hmm. it'll be fascinating to see how they maneuver with that. And maybe that helps with bodies that they could throw at you know Alabama. And that, that gets them a little thrown off. Who knows? But that's fascinating. I'm excited for San Diego State. First Mountain West team to make the Sweet 16 since Musselman did it with Nevada back in 2018. So that was good for that conference. They were struggling in the tournament. So San Diego State, they're the class in the Mountain West. Uh, they get things going and, and they make it happen. Speaking of the class of the conference, let's talk about Princeton and Missouri because Princeton is a 15 seed. And folks, get your history hats on. Three straight seasons with a 15 seed in, in the Sweet 16. Oral Roberts did it in 2021. St. Peter's did it last year. And Princeton does it this year. This is their first Sweet 16 since 1967. Back in 1965 with Bill Bradley, they made the Final Four. This is the third Ivy League team in history to make the Sweet 16. And Mitch Henderson's squad, they look pretty good. I'm not saying they're running the Princeton Princeton offense, but they're running some offense, and it looks pretty pretty so far. Yeah, and, and they have a really good player in Tosan uh, Iwoma. I always, I good always job by you. Yeah. The whole tournament has been a lot of like saying names out loud. That's always my ch- my challenge whenever I get up to the precipice there. No, it, there, there's an interesting pattern I was telling you of like six eight, six nine ish guys who can distribute, can play high post, can get to the rim. None of them are really great shooters like uh, Iwoma and then Trace Jackson Davis and Oso Igadaro. Uh, like the, these three guys are really interesting that we had three of these kind of prototypes in the league but uh in the in the tournament but this was uh, these are two teams that kind of play similar in terms of pace but Missouri I think the story of the game is that Missouri is a team that wants to shoot a lot of threes uh 22 percent of their offense during the season came in transition and a third of that came from threes uh so they want to turn you over they want to generate a lot of points from that today Princeton only had nine turnovers uh and Missouri had seven but on the season, this was a season low for Missouri. They only got four points in transition today. Uh, so that was a really, you know, and I also kind of wonder if like the way that Princeton played. No turnovers. That, yeah, yeah. I, I also wonder that, uh, you know, Missouri on the year, they were 14 and four when they forced 10 or more turnovers. But uh, today they didn't do that. So that part was taken out of the game. They were forced to play more of a half court game. Uh, Kobe Brown, a guy that we love, one of Kyle's, was that one of your men, Kyle? I think he's one of the OSPers. Fuck it, everybody could be. Yeah. I don't think so, but yeah, sure. <laughs> Inclusive. Yeah, right. Anyone that has a good game or a bad game or just something to talk about, that's one of Kyle's men. It's a safe space for everybody who wants to be in there. <laughs> Kyle's an ally. He's an ally. <laughs> right. Whatever yes. you need. He's just an ally in general. Safe uh, space. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
so I kind of wonder also, you know, if like that negated Kobe Brown a little bit because a lot of his value is like, hey, I bring these skills to this traditional sort of lineup scheme. And today, the way that they played, I I, I thought that uh, Princeton kind of kind of kind of kicked their ass a little bit. I mean, it, it was it was a game where it, it it looked like they just had an answer for everything. You know, they ended up winning this game seventy eight sixty three. Um, and Princeton moves on. So, uh, yeah, I always look for that. That's all. The, that's the thing for me. A team that really depends heavily on transition throughout the year, you're going to end up in a situation where you're gonna. that's going to be taken away from you, and you got to be able to play another way. And this was Tigers versus Tigers, so uh, congratulations to the Tigers, the Princeton Tigers, for moving on. And shout-out to Bill Simmons, by the way, because before this tournament started, <laughs> I brought up a lot of teams to him. Like, I, I gave him so many options for teams. And he said, I don't know. I like Princeton. They're frisky. And I'm like, how is this man watching Princeton basketball? How is he so locked in on them? He must be friends with Mitch Henderson. I don't know. But he knew that Princeton could do something. He was he, he was quick on the scent. Now Princeton's in the Sweet 16. So shout out to him for calling that. Uh, Ryan, Ryan Langborg uh, in this game, he had 22 points, four assists, six rebounds. And he did something that uh, Bill Simmons would appreciate. He yelled, anything is possible, a la oh, KG. Wow. Um, after this win. So this was a nice 08 Celtics reference. Uh, Also, Princeton moves on to the Sweet 16. They play good basketball. They play fun basketball. Um, I mean, Mizzou had a great year. This should not take away from Mizzou. I know losing to a 15 seed, you know, with Mizzou and the history, you know, they probably don't like that. That just looks bad on paper. But they had a great year. I think they overachieved. They got back into the conversation so that's all good things. I'm excited to see who their matchup is because Princeton versus Creighton, uh, as, as opposed to Princeton versus Baylor, is very different. You know what I mean? Those games will be interesting to see how they scheme. I don't think Princeton is a team that, you know, you should write them off so far. I think Princeton could go into the second weekend and maybe make some noise. So that says something, too, about their program and the Ivy League. These kids don't even have scholarships. It's amazing. That's right. They don't even have scholarships. It's amazing. And I saw someone had a stat. that was like Mizzou players with scholarships, 12. Princeton players with scholarship zero, you know, and that was like the dumbest stat of the day, but also it hit, you know, I was like, oh yeah, that's right. I you forgot. You just brought it up. I, I mean, forgot. I was like, Ivy I forgot. Ivy stat of the day. I <laughs> forgot. Ivy League stat of the day. Who would have thought? They got the numbers to back it up and uh, Princeton moves on to the Sweet 16. That was great. All right. Final two games of the day. The two seeds. Um, let's talk about, I, I got the, I got the pullover on right now. We I didn't know in. if you were going to admit it, but I guess right. you're on camera right now. Right. So I am on outed. camera. Yeah. Shout out to my guy, Andrew Burke, um, big UCLA fan in Los Angeles. My birthday, my 30th birthday, he comes, he brings a UCLA bag, Nike bag or Jordan bag. And then he's like, open the bag. I pull it out. I pull it out. It's a UCLA Jordan pullover. It's beautiful. He says, you have no team to pull for in March. It's time (laughs) to pull for the Bruins. Hurt a little bit, stung a little bit. But also I was like, Jordan Brand, I can get behind it. I do love Mick Cronin. Mick Cronin is my guy. Um, he reached the Sweet 16, by the way, in all three of his appearances with UCLA, at least the Sweet 16. So Sheesh. a lot of people thought that Mick Cronin was a bad Sheesh. hire. They said he didn't fit the program. They said, how is he going? How is he going to recruit? Um, all these things. And Mick Cronin has only delivered, um, and he continues to do so. So, anyways, I have my UCLA pullover on, and in this game, Northwestern gave you know a bit of a fight. They made it a tough battle, but UCLA calm, cool, composed, executed down the stretch, and ended up getting a win, 68. 63. David Singleton with some big shots down the stretch. I'm worried about the injury bug still with this team. I worry about the ceiling. But one of the biggest things that uh, UCLA had to worry about was Kansas, the one seed in their region. And without Kansas there, I think that kind of, you know, you see more of the light if you were Mick Cronin and UCLA and you see that there might be a path to make a big run. 
Yeah. 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 And I, th- I think they're kind of the thing you said is interesting about Cronin is you're like, OK, Cronin, you're like tough guy, kind of a toughness, kind of an East Coast, like polish. He's like hardened. Where is he actually even from, though? I don't even actually I say that I don't even know where McCronin's from. I think he's from Pennsylvania. I was going to say he's, he's probably from L.A. Right. <laughs> no, but, <laughs> he grew up in California. Uh, Cali's from L.A. Yeah, no, no, he, he kind of I think he coached in the East, you know, a guy who coached under Rick Pitino. So you just think toughness. But that's what he's brought to UCLA. And you think about UCLA and you like that. He just he brings a toughness to them that has like carried over for a few seasons. Now. Cincinnati, by the way, born in Cincinnati. Oh, there we go. There we go. I thought so. That's I was right. He was, a ho- he was a hometown boy I thought for so, Cincinnati. But I didn't want to say, but uh, they got a huge game out of Hawkes. One of the, one of, one of the huge, you know, guys, the uh, men that we love. And he, you know, Hawkes, 24 points, 11 for 19 from the field, two for four from three, eight rebounds, four assists. He is a stat sheet stuffer to quote Dickie B. And, and he did it today. He he was a th- he was a guy that uh, they didn't you know have an answer for, and they're just steady, man. You just watch UCLA; they know what they do. They do it. They they don't get rattled. Um, I uh, I think they have to be happy based on what this. It's kind of a process of elimination thing where there are going to be fewer sort of daunting foes for them to face, you know, because everybody that they're going to come up against, they're going to have more experience than from here on out. Right. right. And when you can have a guy in the backcourt and Tiger Campbell, who has literally seen it all. I mean, this guy has, that's one of Kyle's men. Kyle's giving Definitely. a thumbs up. Yeah. You love Tiger Campbell. Love the hair. Looks great out there moving around. He's one of the true point guards in this tournament that gets it, knows what needs to be done. He's basically Mick Cronin out there on the court. And I think Amari Bailey is one of those guys that I know Jalen Clark going down. That was something that, you know, was I was very concerned about just because of his defensive presence, presence, especially on the wing. But Amari Bailey has stepped up. He's played better defense than I think he's given been given credit for. Um, I think he's doing some of the little things that he may not have done in high school. And I, that's kudos to Mick Cronin and the way that they developed this team. UCLA is kind of just like hitting their stride at the right time. And I wanted to point out one of my favorite things that was happening during the broadcast. We had Chris Collins, Northwestern's coach. His dad, Doug Collins, was in the crowd. We had Mick Cronin on the sideline. His dad, Hep Cronin, was in the crowd. Hep is a coach. Doug Collins, obviously. Hep 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 short for something? Uh, probably. Hep's, I would assume I'll, so. I'll get on that. Yeah, get on that. I think it's a nickname, actually. Hep C out um, there in the, in the crowd. That's what I would call him if I knew him. I'd call him Hep C. Well, Hep Cronin was the star of the 2021 tournament. He was uh, basically <laughs> the magic. He was the sister gene of UCLA on their Final Four yeah. run. And he was in the building today. I felt like there was a little bit of Hep magic coming back. He ousted Doug Collins. Chris Collins was trying to use the, oh, Northwestern, we're the underdog, and look at my dad, he coached Michael Jordan, you know, (laughs) that whole thing. And it wasn't going to work today because Hep Cronin was in the building. And I learned something else because, uh, look, I picked Arizona to win the championship. We all know this. We remember. We remember. But it was a, I think it was a little uh, right logic, wrong pick that's happening because Hep Cronin, I didn't know this, but I was told this today, Heb Cronin had a little incident after the Pac-12 championship game, had some Arizona fans say some stuff to him, had a little bit of an incident, and I didn't know that bad karma ha- had happened to Heb Cronin. Had I known, no way I would have made that pick. No chance in hell because that's how that's much I alibi. love Heb That's Cronin. solid as a rock. Man. Right, I don't think and, and that's bad vibes. That's bad energy. That's bad juju. Um, I did not like that, so I just want to say I apologize to Heb Cronin. I apologize to Mick Cronin. UCLA... They're the blue blood that delivered today. Mm. The, the blue blood magic, uh, you know, it was tragic for some. It was magical for UCLA. They get back to the Sweet 16. I think this team is a really fun team, a really likable team. I miss Johnny Juzang. I just want to say that. I do miss Johnny Juzang. But Me too. Jame Jaquez is we making up him. for it. And uh, Amari Bailey is a star, uh, a star in the making, I should say, for this UCLA team. And I, 
I don't think they're done yet. I, I really don't. I, I, I don't want to put a jinx on them, but I, I don't think they're done yet. So shout out to UCLA. Only thing coming up is hepatitis. I thought maybe Shepard could be Shepard. Yeah. All right. I think Hep is a nickname. I don't know who gave him that nickname, but it's kind of like, you know, like in the South, there's a lot of guys that are like, they're Bubba. And you're like, what's your real name? They're like, Kip. Jeremy. It's like, I know you're, <laughs> like, what? you're like, what? You're like, how did they get to Bubba? I'm not calling you Skip, man. Sorry. Or like Dabo. Like, you know, Dabo Sweeney is like from his grandpa being like, that boy over there. And then, <laughs> is Dabo. that true? I yeah. never, I've never heard That's that. That's where Dabo comes from. That boy. That boy over there. Incredible. Dabo. Yeah. Incredible. There you yeah. go. So that, that's your update on uh, nicknames. They're ridiculous. But shout out to Mick Cronin. Nice win for UCLA. And final game of the day, two seed as well, Texas. Penn State, this game was, uh, it looked like Texas had it in hand, uh, but Penn State made a great run in the second half. Shout out to Micah Shrewsbury, who had a great year with Penn State. They they overachieved all season long. Anybody come knocking for Shrewsbury? Right. It's about time. I mean, what what's Georgetown thinking? What happens if Ed Cooley actually goes to Georgetown? What's Providence thinking? If you're Micah Shrewsbury, you've been, you know, you had your decade with the Celtics. You're in the Big Ten. The Big Ten media loves you. Is there a bigger Big Ten job? Is Penn State one of those programs? Obviously, the fan base at Penn State is huge, but we know they're a football school. But they seem like they were falling in love with Micah Shrewsbury, so maybe they lean in and take care of him. I think he's going to be a hot commodity. They're going to have to take care of him because I think if you if you're if you're Would Texas call him, maybe if you're one of these programs. That's that, what like, I thought as he was to... coaching against Texas. I was like, wonder if Texas would call <laughs> Texas, Shrewsbury, yeah, that, even though they won today. They're like, I don't know. I kind of like that guy. That guy's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think you know. If you're climbing, you're thinking about a guy like we talked about that's that that is a is is a mind who has been around a lot. He's a smart basketball mind. Shrewsbury is somebody that I would absolutely, you know, no offense to Cooley, but I, and I just, players I just, love him. Yeah. Players love Shrewsbury. Yeah, yeah. But it was it was a big it was a big uh, the end of a big year. You know, Pickett didn't exactly get off the way we saw a lot of the we saw a lot of the things that are charming about him, like backing guys to the basket. He only had 11 points today, but it was a big game for Dylan DeSue, a guy who's like who was a notorious Kentucky killer when he was at at Vanderbilt. You wouldn't know about. That if you weren't following it, but Dassou had a huge game today: twenty-eight points, fourteen for twenty from the field, and ten rebounds. Um, he's a guy who can just kind of get going, and he got going at the right time when they really needed him today because Carr didn't have uh, a huge output. Yeah, we were always talking about. I mean, myself included. When we talk about Texas, we talk about the backcourt. We talk about the guards. You know, we talk about you know Serge Jabari Rice. That's a name that keeps coming up. Obviously, Tyrese Hunter, the transfer that came in this year, that was great. Big Twelve freshman of the year last year. Dylan Dassou is another transfer that comes in, he's from Texas, always wanted to play at Texas. And funny enough, he broke KD's tourney record of field goals in a game today. 20 field goals on 28 points. 28 points is a season high. Also had 10 rebounds, like you said, a double-double. Um, and Rodney Terry, I just I, I have to give him his respect, even though I was just saying that Micah, there's probably Texas people that are like, well, you just said someone should take his job. But yeah. he did a great job today. <laughs> you did say that. Yeah, I apologize. Maybe I should have started with this, but he did a great job today. Kind of, you know, we talked about weathering the storm. He weathered the storm of this run in the second half. He got Dylan DeSue, who obviously was the guy in this game. He got him the ball, got him involved, made sure he was the focal point, even though he hasn't been, you know, throughout the season. So we made adjustments on the fly. Those are the signs of a good coach. And a, a funny wrinkle, this is the first time, I mean, Rick Barnes and Texas are both in the Sweet 16 for the first time since 2008. So this is a deja vu, um, 2008 deja vu. So there you go. That's some. That's a fun little wrinkle, a fun little storyline. And uh, Rodney Terry, I mean, he gets. He said after the game, he was like, this is where Texas should be, Texas basketball. It's kind of crazy to think Shaka never got here, you know? Yeah. Like te- Texas has been waiting 
They've, they've had so many good teams. They've had so much talent, but That's they've been the way, waiting just to get to the second weekend. That's the way it always seems to happen. You know, right. you, see, you see, you have these teams you expect to do it, and then you just never know. And it can be all about the all about the path. And you know, Texas really pummeled them today in the in their post up game. Uh, Eighteen total post ups at point seven seven eight. They really took advantage of their size and, and and just killed them. They, and you need a little bit of luck. Sometimes you need a guy to have a big outburst at the right time. Uh, you know, these teams that go the distance. It's not like the thing that was scripted all year is going to play out that way and even great teams sometimes you just need you need something to go your way you need the ball to bounce your way you need a guy to get hot at the right time and, and push you over the hump and texas is still alive still alive it's it's uh it's nice to see all right all right all right congratulations to matthew mcconaughey the minister of culture at texas brought the moody magic back and there you go they're in the sweet 16 they did it all right that's uh those are all the games today this was the first day first round of round two um, let's, you know, a few notes, a few little shout outs before we get out of here. I want to shout out the race of 69 TM, the race of 69 so far in the 2023 <laughs> tournament undefeated folks. Again, it works all the time, 93% of the time, but in this tournament, it works a hundred percent of the time. If you get to 69 before the other team, you will win. That is a guarantee in the 2023 tournament. Go fact check it, go look it up. It's true. Um, so shout out to the race of 69. Uh, shout out to Mike Pence. Um, if you were watching the Kansas game, <laughs> if you were watching the Kansas game, you saw Mike Pence wearing an NCAA regional hat um, that he bought, I guess, at the gift shop right before he sat right. down. One of his one of his people <laughs> just grabbed a hat. He said, I need a hat. They, they said, what hat do you want? Do you want Kansas? Do you want Arkansas? He said, I'll take the NCAA hat. polling better right Right, now. right. He's like, yeah, what state do I need to be president? They said both. He said, okay, Howie, I'll take yeah, the NCAA he's like, hat. He's like, how are we polling in, the, in that state? Yeah. <laughs> it was a very Rob Lowe move. Um, Mike Pence is officially the Rob Lowe of college basketball. So make that make sense. Explain that to someone you can unless you have the photo. Mike Pence with the hat on. That was hilarious. I, I can't believe that happened. Um, one last note. Speaking of the blue blood angle of the show, none of the final four teams from last year will be in the final four this year. There were four blue bloods. I mean, some people... You know, they get upset about Villanova. I consider Villanova a lowercase blue blood. I could even hear the argument that they're a real blue blood just in the modern time, modern era. Plus, they have the 1985 title. Get over it. Raleigh Massimino is awesome. So, uh, but yeah, none of those teams, uh, Carolina, Villanova don't make the tournament. Kansas loses today um, and Duke loses today. So uh, that was, uh, I thought that was pretty fascinating, you know, especially after last year when people were saying, Wow, these programs, this Final Four, this is forever. It feels yeah. like that was a decade ago now. It, it it goes back and forth. And I think the transfer portal has been a big part of that too. You know, the the wealth is spread around a little bit and you love to see it. I, I think it's it, I think it's been fun. Maybe it's not the the best for like, you know, uh the 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 optimal sort of viewing product. It's not Duke, Kentucky in the championship or <laughs> right. Duke Carolina in the championship, you know, but but uh it's gonna be quality basketball, I think, either way. And today was a quality day of basketball. I had a lot of fun. Um, this was our last time doing this as far as this iteration. Kyle Mann will be flying back home tomorrow. So yes. tomorrow night we're gonna little have a little bit of a hodgepodge um with our final day uh, of round two takes. Is there anything, producer Kyle, that you have uh, that you wanted to get cleaned up before we get out of here? Any any thoughts, any big picture thoughts? I know you had a you, you had a very relaxing day, correct? This was a nice Saturday for you. I kind of took this day off and for a little <laughs> while. I, I straight up lied yeah, you, to you. You quit uh yeah, you basically you, you kind of quiet quit at the part of the first half of the day. I straight up lied to you. You guys right. were like, what should we do? I, I I could tell I knew we weren't gonna meet for San Diego, but then you were like, should we meet for Duke? And you guys were like feeling each other out, and you're like, Yeah, I'll go to the office for that. I waited a little bit. I said, I'll see you for Arkansas. I think two minutes before Arkansas starts, I was like, I'm going to be late. 
Right. Yeah, a little bit. You were asleep. A hair he late. Was a, he was asleep. Yeah. But it's okay. It's all uh, good. We got to spend right. a lot of quality time together. It was, yeah. it was good. It was a There's great tomorrow. time. I appreciate uh, uh, producer Kyle coming in, making this possible. I appreciate Kyle, man, flying all the way out to Los Angeles to do these shows. Look, this is all on the fly. This is one shining podcast, of course, but this is a new iteration. So we don't, we didn't know what it was going to look like. Uh, me personally, I surely didn't know what it was going to look like. Um, we're all kind of figuring it out on the fly. Like we might have hated each other. Right. Who knows? Who knows? Know. We could have gotten a fight. I mean, who knows? This we would have very on the fly, by the way. So if anybody's free tomorrow that wants to join the podcast, <laughs> right, right. hit me up. Please. Seriously, we need to Please, Bill Walton, I have my UCLA pullover on for a reason. Tate, Please Tate leak the freezer. Oh, shine on. Fight on. <laughs> yeah, we Tate need. Freezer, I, <laughs> I need it. I might, I might call Lombardi. Maybe Mike Lombardi will come on. I want to get his around. thoughts. You know what I mean? He's a big muscleman guy. They're good friends. So maybe there's something there. But we're figuring it out. I just want to say before uh, the end of the show, thank you, Kyle, man, for coming on the show. I appreciate your insights. I love talking basketball with you. You're a true blue blood. I, I'm glad that I could be validated in your eyes in that sense. <laughs> I did a lot of, you know, I did a lot of the hard one single claps. You know, I was saying, let's, you know, LFG, a lot of that in the game. It was good to experience that. Maybe hopefully next time around we'll get to kind of observe each other in that scientific way. And I can yeah. I can pull for you and you can pull for me. And but no, it was when will my Tar Heels be back in the tournament? God only knows. Who knows? Uh, with Who all knows? this with Rick all this blue, with all this blue blood magic I got going on, I don't know what kind of deals I'm making, uh, especially to get Duke out of the tournament this year. Who knows what's gonna happen? But it's been a lot of fun and uh, I love talking basketball. We couldn't have asked for a better setting. Shout out to uh, you know, our this little Spotify setup we got going here. Um I think that's it. I don't think I have anything else. Uh, Kyle, anything else before we get out of here? Nothing from you? Nah, shut the shit down, man. I'm tired. All right. Let's go. Yeah, Kyle's tired. I'm tired. I'm sure you're tired at home. We appreciate you listening. This has been One Shining Podcast, and we will see you tomorrow night.